Take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 5. Thank you, sir. And we're going to look at verse 12 today. James chapter 5, verse 12. I'm talking to you today about let your yes be yes and your no, no. In other words, tell the truth. When Don and I were in seminary, we didn't have a church right off the bat when we went down there. I actually worked in Piggly Wiggly. I was in a Piggly Wiggly the other day in South Memphis, and I felt right at home. I knew where everything was, and uh, I can remember working there. And so we didn't know exactly what the Lord wanted us to do. We wanted to serve in a church, but there were so many preachers at the seminary, and uh, there were a lot more preachers than there were churches, and so we were content just to do whatever the Lord wants to do. And so we decided we might just buy a little bitty house there around the seminary. And when I say little, they were little. Uh, the place where we first moved, by the way, was so little. I used to say that I could just stand in one place and I could turn the water on in the, for the bathtub, scramble the eggs if I just turned to the right, shut the back door over here, and then over here, open the front door, let somebody in. Just all I had to do was pivot. That's all I had to do. It wasn't quite that small, but it was almost. How many of you ever lived in a small house like that? Sure. Well, we wanted something just a tad bigger, bigger because we thought, you know, we might start having children and all that. And boy, did we. And uh, we uh, looked at a house. And that's one of the first, I guess, first time we ever looked at a house trying to buy a house, didn't know what we were doing, really, but uh, talked to the realtor. And I've got a real good eye on seeing if something is level or something is not level. And I could tell that the floors were all leaning toward the middle of the house. And I asked the realtor, I said, do you see this leaning toward the middle of the house? He said, oh, no, I don't see anything. And so I just went over to the door, opened it, and then just let go of it, and it just, boom, it slammed. I said, why do you think that door is slammed? And I went over to the other door on the other side, and I said, watch this. And then I said, this house is not level, and uh, I wanted to say, and neither are you, all right? <laughs> how many of you know that people don't always tell the truth? How many of you do know, how many of you know that all of us, have told a lie. Not as many hands want to go up now. Yeah. You say, I've never told a lie. Well, you just did. We've all embellished the truth. We call them white lies. Now, what's that all about? God doesn't paint a lie. God just says it's either true or it's not. If you embellish the truth, <laughs> that's a lie. And we've all done that. We've all tried to say things to make ourselves look better than we are, sound better than we are, make people think we're better than we are. We've all done that. We've all, at one time or another, told what we used to call just telling a story. Well, Jesus talked about it, and his brother James talks about it. And in fact, James gets verse 12 out of something that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. I've been telling you that the greatest commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is the book of James. A lot of what Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, James elaborated on. 
It's almost like he took the Sermon on the Mount and had it sitting right beside him as he was writing this book. And this text comes right from the lips of the Lord Jesus. James 5, verse 12, but above all, my brethren, he's talking to Christians, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Now, unfortunately, some people have misinterpreted this text to say that we should never make an oath, like we should never say the Pledge of Allegiance to a flag of our nation. This has absolutely zero application for something like that. Some people say, well, that you should never take an oath if you're in court. You shouldn't put your hand on the Bible and say, uh, so help me God and all that. Th this has nothing to do with that. So don't go there. The Jewish people and even the early Christians had uh, come to a point in their lives that they did not believe somebody if they just said, I will pay you what I owe you. Say that. Somebody, they would say, well, you got to be stronger with that. Will you promise me that you will pay me? Yes, I will promise you. Will you promise me by the name of the Lord that you will pay me? Yes, I promise you by the name of the Lord. Will you promise me by the heavens and the earth? Will you make an oath? Will you promise me? Will you swear that you will do this? I promise, I swear, I make an oath that I will do. And it got so elaborate that it really got out of hand. And people honestly could not just say, I'll pay you. And that mean anything. And a lot of times when people didn't make an oath, they would just say, well, I didn't really fully say that I would do it. I didn't make an oath. I mean, I'm going to get off the hook. And so Jesus comes in and James follows him and said, you know what? Your word needs to be really true. And you ought not to have to add all of these superlatives to it to make it true. You ought to just be able to say, yes, let your yes be yes, or to say no, and let your no be no without all this swearing and all these oaths and all this other stuff. That's the background of this. Now, I want to take this verse. We've got three sermons counting today left in James. And before I continue in this sermon, let me just remind you that next Sunday or Saturday night, if you come Saturday night, for those who would like for us to do it, I'm going to be preaching on uh, the text talks about healing next week, and we're going to pray for people. It, we're going to talk about anointing with oil, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, and we are going to anoint people with oil who would like to come and let us pray for them. We're going to have people all across the front. Uh, we're going to have deacons. We're going to have staff members, and we're going to have people that will pray for you, and we're going to, uh, you'll just come, and we'll anoint you with oil, and we believe here 
in medicine, miracle, or both, all right? We believe you ought to take your medicine. We believe there's nothing wrong with doctors. We go to doctors. I go to doctors, and we, we thank God for all of that. But we believe that you need more than doctors. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. You need the healer. So it's not either or. It's both and. And if you want to do it, then we'll do that. And what we'll do, we won't be a long time. We're just going to, we'll just anoint you with oil and then you'll just stand there and then we're going to lead one prayer and just ask everybody to agree and we're going to pray for God to heal. And then we'll leave the results with God. That's what I do. I pray for healing according to James 5. You'll see that next week. And then I leave the results with God. How many of you believe that God can be trusted with the results? Amen. It's our job to pray. It's his job to answer and he will answer according to his will, okay? And I don't get involved in all that. I just say, Lord, you answer. I'm, I'm praying that this hurricane will dissipate, but let the Lord's will be done. I'm praying for God's will to be done in Afghanistan. I'm praying. But I do think that if we pray, things happen that would not happen had we not prayed. So, I hope you understand my thought process on that. You say, well, why don't you just go ahead and preach that? You've just about done it anyway. No, we're going to stay on verse 12, okay? I'd rather talk about healing than telling the truth. Well, <laughs> let's talk about telling the truth, all right? Three simple things that I hope will be a blessing to you. Number one, you're never more like God than when you tell the truth. The goal of every human being should be to know God and to love Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There is only one God, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there is only one way to God, and that is through the only Savior who is Jesus Christ. The one and true God is triune. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And every aspect of God Every one, every part of the Trinity is 100% true and 100% truth. First of all, the Bible emphatically states that God the Father is truthful. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Now, what I'm going to do is I've got some friends today that I'm going to introduce to you. And I mean, what I mean by this, I've got some scriptures that I've prayed for a long time. These are my friends you can, how many of you know that you can be friends with the Scriptures? Amen? You can be a friend of the Bible, and you can, I'm just going to share, I'm just going to introduce you to some of my friends. Some of them you may know, some of them you may not, all right? But they're good friends to me, and I pray that they'll be good friends to you. First of all, as we think about God the Father being truthful, this is probably one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. Now, what does that say about men? We all lie. What does it say about God? God doesn't lie. God's not a man. By the way, if you have a Mormon background, you know that they say that God was a man who became God. I got news for you. They got it right backwards. God is, God is not a man who became God. God is a God who became man in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mormons have it exactly backward. And by the way, you cannot become a God. That's what they teach. They also teach that Satan and Jesus were brothers, and that's as far from the Bible as you can get. So Mormonism is a cult, okay? It is not 
a branch of Christianity. It is heresy. But anyway, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man, and that's a term that just means a man, that he should repent. God doesn't need to repent. God's never sinned. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? God's not a man. He's not a human being. All human beings tell lies. God is not a man that he should lie. We misrepresent the truth. Human beings don't always tell lies. Not that everything we say is a lie, but all of us have lied. Anyone who says otherwise is lying. (laughs) On the contrary, God is totally trustworthy. Has he said and will he not do it? If God says something, you can bank on it. Has God said and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? If God tells you something, he is going to do it. His word is true and he is true to his word. Why? Because God the Father is truthful. Romans 3, 3 and 4 says, What then if some did not believe? Their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? May it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. Will our unbelief nullify the faithfulness of God? May it never be. May it never be in the Greek is a double negative. Here's what he's saying. No, no. Remember when you had little children and they were trying to feel the hot stove and you said, no, no. (laughs) That's what God was saying here. No, no. No, no. God is not unfaithful. God is not one to tell a lie. May it never be. No, no. Let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. We're all people who have told lies. You say, Brother Steve, that just blesses me so hard. Well, welcome to the book of James, all right? Titus chapter 1, first two verses, right out of the gate. He says, Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God, the knowledge of truth, which is according to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, now watch this, who cannot what? Say it out loud. Cannot lie. God cannot lie. Promised long ages ago. That word cannot means that God is, he cannot lie. He is completely unable to lie. Norm Geisler said if God even tried to lie, the lie would get stuck in his throat and would never come out because God can't lie. He can't. He's truthful. Hebrews 6, 18, one more verse. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. I rest my case. It's impossible for God the Father to lie. God the Father is truthful. Secondly, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God's Son is truthful. Jesus is truthful. He said to the Jewish religious leaders who hated him, who were constantly trying to find fault in him, he says, hey, I open myself up to you. You've heard me teach. All these people have heard me teach. Which, John 8, 46, which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He's saying there, look, Tell me where I have told a lie. Tell me where I have not spoken truth. You tell me one place where I've told a lie. 
and I'll shut the whole thing down. And guess what? Nobody could. You know why? Because Jesus never tells a lie. Never. Why? He's God, and God is true, and God is truth. Jesus, God's Son, is truthful. And by the way, if that is, if Jesus is always true, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but through me. And he said, believe on me and you shall be saved. And look, if you don't do what he says, your eternal destiny in hell is not on him. It's on you. He told the truth. He invited you to come to him. And if you reject that, that's not on Jesus. That's on you. You can be saved. You should be saved. You ought to be saved. He's the only way to be saved. And that's the truth because he said it. John 14, 6 is the next verse. Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Not just a way, not a truth, not a life, but the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus stated these famous words the night before he died. Jesus clearly said, I am the only way to God. He is God's truth. He is the way. Now, a lot of people don't like this. And I've heard so-called professors, and they say, oh, I know the original language. And uh, that's not really what it meant. Oh, you know what? That isn't really what it meant. The definite articles are all there. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one. I mean, it's Hebrew parallelism. He's saying, I'm the way to God. I'm the truth about God. I'm the way, the truth, I'm the life, I give you the life of God. And then he says, let me tell you what I mean by that. No one comes to the Father unless they go through me. You can't go through Muhammad and get to God. You can't go through Buddhism and get to God. You can't go through uh, any, anything else, any other religion out there and get to God. You can only go, Jesus said, through Jesus. That's it. And Jesus is telling the truth. He is the truth. That's what he said. I am the way. I am the truth. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him, God the Father, made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus knew no sin, and that includes lying. He did not lie. So, Jesus, the Son of God, is truthful. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit is truthful. The night before Jesus died, he promised his disciples that after his death, resurrection, and ascension, ascension, he would send them the Holy Spirit. He was promising what he delivered, by the way, on the day of Pentecost. You say, why did it take him 10 days? I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't ever understand the timing of God. And you don't either, and there's no sense. But, but God understands it. There was a reason for those 10 days. We'll find out later on if we need to find out. If not, we'll just trust God. But from the time he ascended to the time he sent the Holy Spirit was 10 days. But he's promising here that he is going three times, the night before he dies, three times in these chapters, John 14, 15, and 16, all the night before Jesus died on the cross, just really gave some good stuff to his disciples, and a lot of it was about the Holy Spirit. In chapter 14, he said in verses 16 and 17, I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of what? Say it out loud. Truth, the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit 
is truthful, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. After the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was not just on people, the Holy Spirit was in people. That's the difference between the Old Testament believers and the New Testament believers after Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was on people in the Old Testament, but now He is in us. Our bodies are the temple of the living God. This place is not the temple of God. Your redeemed humanity, your body as a believer, Christ in you is the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit is in you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And then in chapter 15, Jesus said in verse 26, when the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, the, advo the advocate, when he comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit never points to himself. He always points to Jesus. He is pointing to the truth who is Jesus, but he is the spirit of truth. And then John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. That's how we know about what is going to happen in days to come. The Holy Spirit has told us through Revelation through other prophetic books, but also just through the promptings of the Spirit, we know what to do because we're led by the Spirit of truth. And the Lord will never tell you to do it. It's anything that is associated with the lie. Thus, the triune God, God the Father is truthful. Jesus, God's Son, is truthful. The Holy Spirit is truthful. You're never more like God than when you tell the truth. Secondly, you're never more like the Bible than when you tell the truth. The Bible is truth, and the Bible points you to truth. The ninth of the Ten Commandments commands God's people to tell the truth. Just look at it on the screen, unless you're really fast. The ninth of the Ten Commandments says this in Exodus 20, verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's the negative way of saying it. You shall not tell a lie. You shall tell the truth. Your interactions with others should be free from falsehood and lies. Now, this is Moses speaking. Don't, God is speaking to Moses, rather. Don't forget that. And then God says to Moses in Leviticus 19, verse 11, a very succinct verse, but it's one of the most, I can remember memorizing this back 30-something years ago when I was pastor at West Jackson Baptist Church. I can remember where I was when I memorized it. <laughs> I don't know how you do that, but that's just happened. I said, Leviticus 19, 11, you shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, nor shall you lie to one another. Look at that. He, he said, uh, lying is, is like stealing. It's like dealing falsely. It's like telling somebody that the floor is level when the doors say it's not. You're not dealing righteously. You're dealing falsely. And you shall not do that. You shall not do that in business or any other way. Why? Because lying is sinful. 
because God is truth. So Moses was told several times about that people ought to tell the truth. David jumps in there in the Psalms. It's all over the Psalms, but man, I tell you, the the Psalms 19, there's a whole text in there about the Word of God that's one of the best texts in the Bible about the inerrancy and the infallibility and the truthfulness of Scripture. And that is Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. This is a great friend right there to have. The law of the Lord is perfect. That ought to help you right there. Restoring the soul, the testimony of the Lord, that's still the Word of God, is sure, making wise the simple, the precepts of the Lord, that refers to the Bible, are right, rejoicing in the heart, the commandment of the Lord, that refers to the Bible, is pure, enlightening the eyes, the fear of the Lord, is clean, enduring forever the judgments of the Lord, that refers to the Bible, are true, they're righteous altogether, they're more desirable than gold. Look at me. If you have a Bible, you are rich. You're rich. You're wealthy. They're more desirable than gold. These promises are more desirable than gold. You want to live somewhere? Don't live for money. Live for God and the Word of God. Live in the Word of God. More desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey. I'm telling you, the Word of God is sweet to people who are hungry. Sweeter also than honey and the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Oh, the Word of God is true, and it's truth. Psalm 119, 142, your righteousness, O God, is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. Your law is truth. It's not just that the Bible contains the Word of God. It's that the Bible is the Word of God, and God is a God of truth, and so His Word is true. How much of it is true, Brother Steve? All of it. Psalm 119, 160. Read this with me. This is so good. Read it with me. The sum of your word is truth. Read it again. The sum, that is the totality. The sum of your word is true, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. Well, that may be what it meant back then, but not now. No, it's everlasting truth. It's not something that changes. God is immutable. God doesn't change. And God's truth doesn't change on anything, marriage or anything else. Every, Jesus said every jot and tittle, every part of the letter of the Hebrew or the Greek, Jesus said, is inspired by the Holy Spirit of truth. Jesus also said in the New Testament that Christians need to walk in truth. If you want to know where James got verse 12 in chapter 5, he got it from Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Again, Jesus said, you've heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth for it's the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your hand, head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. And anything beyond this is of evil. That's where James got verse 12. So Jesus said, 
Your word needs to be true. Your word needs to be true. David said it. Moses said it. Jesus said it. The Bible says in John 8, 31, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue, he said, if you continue in my word now, then you're truly my disciples, disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth. This is one of the most famous things he ever said. You shall know the truth, and what will the truth do for you? The truth will make you what? Free. How many of you want to be free in Christ? Live in the word. It's true. Live by the word. It's true. Jesus, when he prayed one of the longest prayers in the Bible, all of John 17, he prayed that we would be sanctified, that is, set apart and grow in grace in the truth of God's Word. John 17, 17, very easy to remember. He's praying to the Father. Father, sanctify my disciples in truth. Your Word is truth. If Jesus said the Bible is true, look at me. The Bible's true. God's Word is true. Jesus said it. Paul said it. Ephesians 4, 25, that Scripture's He said in the Scriptures that we should avoid telling lies. Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Colossians 3.9, Don't lie to one another, since you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Paul also said in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All Scriptures inspired by God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for for correction for training in righteousness so that the man of God may may be adequate, equipped for every good work. If it's inspired by the God of truth, then the Bible is true. Peter said the same thing in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of truth spoke from God. I rest my case. The Bible is a book of absolute impeccable truth. You're never more like the Bible than when you speak the truth. You're never more like Jesus than when you speak the truth. You're never more like the Bible than when you speak the truth. But let's look at the other side. You're never more like the devil than when you tell a lie. Where did lying come from? From the devil. Who told the first lie? The devil. Where is it found? Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed has God said. I want to stop right there. That's where liberalism steps in and questions the word of God. Liberal theologians are like the devil in the sense that they question the Word of God. Who was the first one to ever question the Word of God? The devil. God had said to Adam and Eve, got all this out here. It'd be like saying, look, sit in any seat you want to here at Bellevue except that one. And do you know what most people would go to? They'd want that one. You can have whatever you want, this whole big thing. But you can't have that one. You can eat anything you want to except from that tree, one tree. How many of you know God is a good God? Amen? He gives us so much leeway, but he says, hey, don't do this, don't do that. His restrictions are 
kind of minute when you compare it with all the freedom that he gives us. And they ran, and they are hanging around. Look at me. If you don't want to fall down, don't walk in slippery places. If you don't want to sin, stay away from temptation. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. That's what Jesus said to pray. So don't even get near it. I've, I've seen this all my life. I've just seen people that are like little kids. You tell them, don't, get, don't jump off the, the stage, and they get right up to it. Have you ever seen somebody that loves to lean over and look down on, you know, a thousand feet down? They've lost their minds. They just keep leaning. That's what we do. The woman said to the serpent, now there's, there's a problem. Instead of rebuking him with truth, she conversations with him. Okay? She, she, she starts talking with him, has a conversation with him. The woman said, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Here's the lie now. The serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die. He questioned the word of God, which is really a lie, but then he denies the word of God, and that's a lie. The serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God. That's what Satan wants. He wants to be like God. He wants to be God, knowing good and evil. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. That's sin. Oh, you don't. God's holding out on you. God is, is just a, a killjoy. God doesn't want you to have a good life. He doesn't want you to have your best life now. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to enjoy life. God is holding out on you. You can be like God. You can know good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate. I'm going to show you a video right after this where a kid did the same thing. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband. Don't we like to do that? When we sin, we like other people to sin along with us. When people get drunk, they want somebody else to get drunk with them. They just like that. When they start cussing, they, they like other people to cuss with them. Now, we just like that. She gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Uh, duh, okay, I'll, I'll eat, okay, duh. <laughs> and the eyes of both of them were opened. But they weren't better, they were worse. They knew now that they were naked. And they all, what, what happens when you sin? You try to cover your sin, don't you? They sowed fig leaves. Can I just, I don't want you to dwell too much on this whole thought. Can you imagine trying to sow fig leaves to cover up yourself? What's up with that? And made themselves loin covering. The devil promises us good things and always 
delivers us bad things. He promises us steak, but he gives us pig slop. Ask the son, the prodigal son. He promises you heaven on earth, but gives you hell through eternity. Somebody showed this video on the internet of a little boy that found some Hershey chocolate powder and thought he was going to get a real good bite of chocolate, all right? How many of you know that that ain't right, all right? Okay. Watch this. Watch this. Let's put it out. All right. There you have it. That's sin, in a, that's sin right there. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be chocolate. It's going to be chocolate cake. Come on, eat it. And you eat it. <laughs> now we laugh. But isn't that the way the devil works? Just tell a lie. Just tell a lie. Just embellish the truth. It's going to be okay. God said, don't do this. Go ahead and do it. The devil is a liar. By the way, every thought you have is not from you, nor is it from God. The devil can put a thought in your mind, Ephesians calls it a fiery dart that you need to quench with the shield of faith. I can remember I was preaching at a Baptist university, and after the chapel service, a young man came up to me, strong-looking young guy, looked great. He said, can I talk to you in private? I said, well, this is about as private as it gets. Let's come over here. I said, what's going on? He said, I have thoughts, and I don't know what to do with them. I said, what kind of thoughts? This is 12, 13 years ago, okay? It's been since I've been at Bellevue, but way back. He said, I keep having this thought that says, you're not a man, you're a woman. That was way before all the stuff that we know today is going on. He said, what do I do with that? I said, do you believe that there is not only a God, but do you believe there's a devil? He said, oh, yeah, I believe that. I said, do you believe that God can speak to you? He said, yes. I said, do you believe that you can have a thought? He said, yes. I said, do you believe that the devil can put a thought in your mind? He said, I don't think so. I'm a Christian. I said, the devil tempted Jesus. Why would he be able to have a thought from the devil and you would not? What you're hearing is not truth. So I know that what you're hearing is not from God because God is a God of truth. 
So what you're hearing is a lie. Who is the liar? We're going to see it in just a moment. Who is it that tells lies? It's the devil. And what, look at me. Y'all are out there saying, well, I've never thought that. But you hear lies from the devil all the time. Watch this. Some of you this last week or maybe in the last month or so, you've had this thought. So-and-so doesn't like me. And you start thinking about it, and the more you think about it, you go down into a spiral, and you're, you're, you either get mad or you get upset or you're afraid, and maybe you say, they don't like me. Now, maybe they don't like you, but, but you're thinking that they're talking about you, they're slandering you, and look at me. Most people, don't get mad at me, are not thinking about you even, okay? They're thinking about themselves, and they're stuck. The devil always is out there trying to stir up stuff. He does it with husbands and wives. He does it in churches. He does it all over the place. The devil just plants a little seed, and you've got just a few seconds to, to understand, is that truth? Is, does this line up with the Word of God? The reason I ask you to stay in the Word of God all week long is so that you can smell the devil, so that you will know what is truth and what is a lie, so that you will know what God says and what God doesn't say, so that when you hear a lie from the devil, when that fiery dart comes, you can say, I reject that in the name of Jesus. That is not God, and I don't accept it. And you know what? It goes away. You say, I don't believe it. Try it. Some of you are so used to just harboring those thoughts and letting them take control. You just, you're, you're just constantly torn up. You're constantly stirred up, constantly mad, constantly upset, constantly down, and everything else. Stop it. Take control of that in the name of Jesus. Live in the whole armor of God and understand you can take every thought captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those thoughts come and you say, no way, not today. Not, I don't accept that in the name of Jesus. If you have an immoral thought, that's not from God. That's not from you. Just say, no, I'm not having that in the name of Jesus. If you have an angry thought, just say, that's not from God. I'm not going to be mad. I'm going to walk in peace. I reject that in the name of Jesus. Whatever temptation it might be, if you have, want to be sad, if you want to feel sorry for yourself, if you want to throw a pity party, that's not from God. God wants you to walk in joy. Just so say, I'm not living there. I'm going to live in peace. I'm going to live in love. I'm going to live in joy. I'm going to live in the, in the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I am not going to let my thoughts be a place where the devil takes me down. I'm not going to do it because the devil is a liar. He is a liar. Let me just go to that verse. I'll read you the ones out of Psalms later on. Look at on the screen, John 8, 44. Put that up there. Jesus is talking to the Jewish leaders and he's laying it on them. He said, you are of your father, the devil. You want to do the desires of your father. He's talking about the devil now. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Say that with me. There is no truth in him. Now look, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. Where does all the stuff come from that marriage is not just a man and a woman, heterosexual monogamous? Where does all that come from? It comes from the devil who is a liar. 
Where does it come from that a baby, a baby in a womb is not a real human being and has no rights? It doesn't come from the Bible because the Bible says that that child is fearfully and wonderfully woven in that mother's womb. God says an unborn baby is a human being that deserves to live and anything that denies that is from Satan. It is a lie from the devil. It is a lie from the devil. On and on I could go. Any lie that says one race is superior than another race, one color of skin is superior than another color of skin, that is a lie, that is a lie, that is a lie. We're all created in the image of God. All created in the image of God. No and on I could go. Devil's a liar. When you hear that stuff, man, you say, you're passionate about it. You're right. Because I, I'm telling you, man, I've been pastor a long time, and I have experienced those lies and sometimes let them beat me up. But I'm not, I'm, I've just determined I'm not living there anymore. I'm not going to live listening to a lying devil. I'm going to live listening to a truth-telling God. Amen? I'm going to live in the Word. Well, I'm out of time. Heaven will be glorious if I can preach for three hours. Amen. All right. <laughs> Let me read one more verse. Revelation 21, verse 8. Put that up, if you will. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and the abominable, murderers, immoral persons, sorcerers, idolaters, and all what? Liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Leave that up there, if you will. You say, well, I guess I'm going to hell because I've done a bunch of those. No. He's not saying that if you've ever told a lie, you're going to hell, or if you've ever been immoral, or if you've ever been involved in witchcraft, that you can't repent. What he's saying is, if you live like that and that describes your life and you never repent and you never ask God to forgive you, yes, you are going to hell. Yes. But aren't you glad that you can turn to the Lord and say, Father, I've told a lie and I'm sorry. Or any sin on that board. God, I've done this. I'm sorry. I repent. Please forgive me. And you know what God does? He takes the blood of Jesus and washes it all away. And it's gone. It's gone. Let's say hallelujah with this one. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know what the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9? Watch this. This is the last verse. Let's all stand up. I'll give you a minute. Not a whole minute. Read this with me and we'll be through. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much? Say it. All unrighteousness. You say, Brother Steve, I've told lies. Hey, you're standing in a room full of people who have told lies. I know we don't like to raise our hands on that. Well, it was just a little lie. It was just a little rattlesnake. 
It was just a little cancer. It was just a little bullet, but it's deadly. So let's just right now ask God to forgive us for embellishing the truth and telling lies. Can we do that? Let's just all do it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful. Just bow your heads and ask the Lord to say, Lord, forgive me for any and all lies that I have ever told. Father, we thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. We don't want to be like the devil. We want to be like you, Lord. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Let our yes be yes and our no, no.